Welcome to Corporate Cornucopia, the podcast that's overflowing with business insights, entrepreneurial tips, and stories from the front lines of today's economic landscape. From the studios of the Kyrville Chamber of Commerce, I'm Mark Heiberger, your host. And I'm Noel Fenderson, your co-host. Thomas Brown serves as the Chief Executive Officer for iSpecialty Group in Memphis, Tennessee. He oversees a management team and staff of approximately 250 serving six ophthalmology and optometry practices with 11 locations and four ambulatory surgery centers, spanning over multiple cities and states in the Mid-South area. Thomas moved to Memphis in 2006 to serve as administrator for Eye Specialty Group and Ridge Lake Ambulatory Surgery Center. In 2015, he helped form Provident Practice Management Services to offer management services to eye specialty group and other eye care practices. He then went on to form Provident ACS Holdings to effectively own and manage a group of ophthalmology ASC in the Memphis metropolitan area in 2017. Thomas received his undergraduate degree from Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama. He earned his Jewish doctor from the University of Alabama School of Law in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He has over 25 years of healthcare industry experience with legal and management responsibilities in hospitals, medical practices, and ambulatory surgery center settings. Thomas, thank you so much for being with us. It's great to be here. Nice being back in Collierville. Well, uh, thank you. And we wanted to, from from the Collierville Chamber, thank you and the Eye Specialty Group for being a member of the Collierville Chamber. We value that very much. And uh, you all have been members for several years and uh, loyally uh, remain members as of today. And, and we just appreciate that, having uh, you as a member of the Chamber. Well, we've been in Collierville for, I think, going on seven years now. And um, have enjoyed our time out here. This was a an office where we we expanded into uh, this location, and um, and it has been nothing but great for our practice over the last seven years. Good. Um, we usually start out with with uh, helping our listeners get to know uh, who we're interviewing a little better. So can you can you tell us a little bit about your your background, sort of how you got to the eye specialty group from wherever you want to begin, <laughs> wherever you want to begin. Uh, I guess real quickly, as, as far as education is concerned, um, I'm, I actually graduated from law school uh, at the University of Alabama uh, back in 92. Uh, you may remember that 92, 93 was a time when um, the Clinton administration was uh, looking at healthcare and making changes to the healthcare systems. Um, so I was actually hired by a group of rural hospitals to help them navigate those changes. Um, worked in hospitals for about three years. And then when healthcare reform never happened, I had the opportunity to go out and work in a private medical practice, an ophthalmology practice uh, in Southeast Alabama and worked there for eight and a half years. And the opportunity came to, um, to join iSpecialty Group, which was a uh, at the time, I believe a 36-year-old practice, mm-hmm. uh, 36, 38, and, um, and had a fantastic reputation throughout the Southeast and really the, the nation as a whole. 
and uh, was a great opportunity to come to Memphis and be part of that organization and have been there for the last going on 17 years. Wow. wow that's great. So, and, and do you practice law still or within this? Are you completely? No, I had about six months of practicing law in between the uh, hospital and going to the ophthalmology practice. Okay. And, um, and, uh, Let's just say it was not something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, sitting around a table talking to doctors and healthcare administrators, believe it or not, is actually a lot more fun than talking about legal matters with people. So, yeah. So in your role, you're you, you're the the CEO of of a group that's got how many locations here in the Memphis Shelby County area, and how many employees and. So our office uh, covers six locations throughout the Memphis metro area, um, uh, out here in Collierville, um, a couple of offices in East Memphis. Um, we are associated with the Southern College of Optometry and have a location in the, in the College of Optometry, uh, down in South Haven, Mississippi, and in uh, Olive Branch, Mississippi, um, and always looking for expansion. In addition to those uh, office locations, we also have four ambulatory surgery centers, uh, again, in uh, East Memphis, uh, two in East Memphis, um, one in South Haven and one in, in Olive Branch. And um, as far as employees, uh, we are in the, the range of about 200. It's up, up and down uh, constantly, but around 200 employees, not including the physicians in the practice. And, and so the scope of work is big but all things related to the eye and the eye health right correct uh we we uh we specialize in medical and surgical treatments of the eye okay uh, so we don't typically uh, involve ourselves um in the um like fitting of glasses and things such as that mm -hmm. so our, our affiliation with the college of optometry is so that we can step in and provide services that go beyond the scope of practice for optometrists okay and, um, so cataract surgery, retina surgery, glaucoma surgeries, uh, other conditions that that uh, optometrists often you know, are on the front line of, of dealing with vision and sight issues with patients. And we kind of come in and when they want to punt uh, to another team, they punt to us and we take care of those issues at that point. And uh, we heard uh, before you got here that the South particularly, there's a lot of eye issues. Is yes. that like... What, what do we say? The glaucoma belt? Is that, the glaucoma is that right? belt, the retina belt. You know, it's one of the incredible things about Memphis is that um, we have a rich, rich history in ophthalmology. Um, the, the practice that I'm involved in used to be known as the Fitcher Retinal Foundation. Uh, and it was one of the largest retina practices in the country uh, and one of the first to offer specialty training in wow. retina surgery. Um, that practice has um, generated most of the retina specialists that actually work in this community and other in other practices, not just our own. So, uh, so retina surgery is, is sort of the the foundation for this practice. Then, about um, uh, probably twenty years ago, they started expanding into glaucoma, um, and again, due to demographic um, issues with this community, the, the racial makeup of the community, and the eating habits of the people in the community. There's a lot of retinal issues, a lot of glaucoma issues. Uh, some of it, are, you know, as a result of, of heredity, but 
other because of our, our eating habits and such. So there's a great deal of, of vision threatening um, illnesses out there that, that we deal with. And then probably our largest um, area of practice at this point is cataract surgery. And again, with the um, demographic changes that are going on in the country, um, I'm sure to the extent that you've ever interviewed anybody in healthcare, they talk about this, um, this wave of baby boomers that are, that are coming, that have fed through the system. And those baby boomers obviously had babies of their own back in the 70s and 80s and 90s and then have worked through. Now those baby boomers are at the age of needing eye cares. Typically our patients are 55 and older. And so that's where the baby boomers are now. And so we are seeing the volume of cataract surgery double every, you know, six or seven years. Um, wow. And so it's just a, an enormous, and, and, and again, it's, it's one of those things, it's not necessarily an unhealthy lifestyle or anything like that that causes cataracts. Mm -hmm. It's just the number of birthdays that you have. Wow. And uh, typically after 55, uh, at some point you'll have cataracts. Can you elaborate a little bit for those that are listening about, um, in general, what, what, what were you, meaning what were you talking about when you talked about some of the health dietary choices that we make and how it affects different i mean we're trying to figure out so like the sweet tea <laughs> the sweet tea is affecting our eyesight is well, that yeah. I mean, again i am not a clinician again i'm a lawyer so but, but, uh, <laughs> i am not going to get in, in, in into all, it too deep but in all but seriousness yes, yes. But, but but for the for those listening to this podcast i mean just in general what what health dietary choices in a general sense affect the eye, the health of our eyes. Obviously, you know, the, the high sugar uh, okay. diet, the high uh, fat content, okay. things such as that. Uh, again, I am not clinically minded, um, but I do encourage everyone to eat healthy um, and you know, just uh, watch your weight, which we all need to do, me included. Um, and just try to maintain good, good exercise, things such as that. Again, the sedentary lifestyle, uh, high fat, high sugar intake, um, all of those things that make food really, really good uh, are not necessarily the best things for our overall health right. and to the extent that our overall health deteriorates. The eyes are often one of the first areas to be affected by, by poor health. Um, there are growing numbers of tests that um, from from everything from diabetes, glaucoma, all the way to things such as Alzheimer's. That if you look at the eyes, look in the eyes, that's all often some of the first indicators mm. of a disease is found in the eyes, mm. uh, which is why it's important to go every year and get your eyes checked, um, you know, with your optometrist uh, or ophthalmologist in the community. And I guess uh, common sense would say that it's. Um, Obviously, the body is so complex that there are so many things that interwork and related to each other, even like blood pressure, mm -hmm. for example. Correct. If you manage your blood pressure, or if you don't, let me say it that way, it could affect your eyes and, and other things too, but they're all interrelated. It's, it's important for people to understand that, that your eyes are almost an extension of your brain. I mean, yeah. It's like mm -hmm. literal as the nerves that, that carry your, the impulses from your eyes straight to your brain. But, you know, we as a 
species never lived much past 30, 35 years of age back not too terribly long ago. And so if you think about your eyes, you think about how sensitive they are to touch and mm -hmm. light and dust and everything else. They're really designed to, to work about 35 years. And after that, you're kind of getting extra life out of them. Well, luckily we are living now to be 80, 90 years old, which means we have to do things to, to help those, those orbs in our eyes to continue to see properly. And cataract surgery is a great example of that. You're, the lens, you actually have a clear lens in your eye. And again, after sometime after 35 for some people, but especially after 55, those things begin to grow opaque. You've got a glass here that's a little fuzzy on the, you know, the outside. And I think people, it's a gradual um, condition, but people don't realize that they're losing that, that vision. Um, which is one of the rewarding things about cataract surgery is that when people come in and actually have cataracts removed, they're amazed at how beautiful the world is. Again, how green the greens are and mm. the, and the colors and the, how sharp uh, images can be. Um, but yes, it's, it's, again, there's, there's nothing really you can do about it. You do need to maintain a great healthy lifestyle, eat properly, diet properly, uh, avoid excessive sugars and excess fat and things such as that. Enjoy life, but be healthy about it. Uh, exercise a lot. And then when those things that are, that are, you can't do anything about like your age, uh, when those things sneak in and begin to uh, affect your eyes, go see your doctor and yeah. get those taken care of. Um, are you in, in the field of eye care? <clears throat> are you having trouble getting doctors or is there a good, good, uh, pathway for the doctors or tell, tell us about that. So okay, this goes back to the, the Clinton administration and, and healthcare reform. And uh, this is going to sound bad, but the balanced budget act of 1997 actually limited funding for residency programs through the, I guess, Medicare, Medicaid, or Department of Health and Human Services. It was a way to try to control costs. They basically said, if we don't have more doctors, then we can control how much their cost there is. And, and y'all know that healthcare is a very expensive part of our, our national economy. So that sounded like a great idea. If we don't have as many doctors, we don't have to worry about the, the cost going up higher. Unfortunately, what that has done now is, um, I guess in ninety in the nineties, you kind of had the baby boomers feed through most of the healthcare system, and so at this point, it's kind of a a a, a, a coming together of several different forces. We have something like five hundred ophthalmologists retiring every year, just be, by virtue of the fact that they've aged to the point that they they can retire. And I think the number of ophthalmologists that we are actually creating every year through all of our medical schools is about 450. So you can see there's a net loss of about 50 ophthalmologists every year. So that has gone for at least the last 10 years. And so over the last 10 years, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 fewer ophthalmologists than there were 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. At the same time, as I said, the volume of patients that have been calling on the services of an ophthalmologist have more than doubled. So when we go to actually start recruiting a doctor and say, 
come to Memphis. We are at that point competing with Boca Raton mm. and Tampa and Charlotte, you know, Charleston and San Diego and San Francisco and all of the cities along the Gulf, along the East Coast, along the West Coast. Uh, and so we have to say, you know, come come to Memphis. And I think there are luckily there are doctors that have a heart for mission. And they say, let's go to Memphis because there's great need there. But there's also plenty that are like, I have the opportunity to go to Memphis or to, to Boca Raton. And it's tough. That's a tough yeah. sell. <laughs> uh, and, and ultimately we're paid the same as the ophthalmologists in Boca Raton. So while there is some, you know, it, it is a higher cost of living in Boca Raton you can get a massive house here for what you would get a condo right. down there. Right. It's still, that's Boca Raton and Memphis. And so it is mm. difficult to, to recruit here. And so as a result of that, we try to find ways to work with the larger healthcare community um, so that our services, you know, we're only called upon to provide the services that our doctors are specifically trained to provide. Um, you mentioned earlier that you all are um, affiliated with, uh, correct me if there's a better term for that, the Southern College of Optometry, or you have a... We rent space inside the College okay. of Optometry. All right. So, but, but do some of the doctors come from there? Do some of the... Is that a uh, we pathway? We are... Absolutely. We, <clears throat> we are a, a blended practice. We have both ophthalmologists and optometrists working within our practice. Again, because the demand for surgical services is growing so much, our doctors find themselves in the operating room more and more. Hmm. And as a result of that, they are delegating some responsibilities to um, other providers. And optometrists go to school for four years. They're very well trained in the care of the eyes and are able to quickly step in to the role of providing those, those post-operative vis, uh, visits with patients, making sure that the uh, operative uh, uh, condition was, was corrected. And, uh, and so we've got a number of optometrists that are working within our practice now. And then we work with the larger community as well, because again, it's, I mean, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 125,000 diabetics in this community. And if we took all of the retina specialists that are in this community that help treat uh, diabetes conditions of the eye, there's no way that the doctors that are here could manage that kind of volume to, wow. to watch those patients. So it's really, we feel it's really important to work with the larger community to, so that they can provide the day-to-day -day routine care of those patients. And when they see something that does look suspicious, uh, that does look di like diabetic retinopathy, they can refer those patients into us to be, to be treated. Hmm. Have, have, what are some other big changes you've seen in the healthcare industry? And then looking forward, where do you see it going? Where well, <laughs> reimbursements always come in to a discussion about changes in healthcare because we are focused so much on trying to manage the cost of healthcare. Um, Interestingly, uh, if you look at the total healthcare dollar, doctors are paid 
somewhere in the neighborhood of six cents of every dollar. The other 94 cents go to other facilities, hospitals, things like that. And for my hospital listeners, I'm not saying 94 cents go to the hospitals, just they're part of that larger piece of pie. Uh, a bunch goes to the insurance companies, to the to the structure that's out there to manage the overall healthcare um, system. And so a lot of times, however, when you hear well, we need to control the cost of healthcare, the focus immediately goes to, well, that means that physicians need to quit getting paid as much. And when I got involved in healthcare 25 years ago, uh, doctors were paid somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,400, $1,500 to perform cataract surgery. Uh, we are now getting paid somewhere in the neighborhood of $450 for cataract surgery. So there's been a, what is that, a 60-something percent cut, 66% cut. And so now when you say, well, let's continue to cut doctors a little bit more so that we can save money, I mean, there's nothing left. 6% is paid to doctors, but from that 6% has to come the money to pay for the bricks and mortar that the practice right. occupies, the um, utilities, all of the staff, everything else. So the doctor, if you get down to what's actually going to the doctor, you're down to close to one, one and a half percent of every dollar that is spent in healthcare going to a, a physician and so you can see that's one of the challenges that we have in healthcare is trying to figure out how to balance this budget and continue to uh, staff doctors with a constantly dwindling uh, amount of resources within the, uh, within the industry. So now, to the extent that we've got staff, one of the biggest challenges that I see in healthcare is that we don't control what we are able to produce except by volume. So, you know, as I said, we were getting paid $1,400, $1,500 per cataract surgery. We're now at 400 and there's nothing we can do. We can't go out and say, well, let's, let's double the price. My apologies. <laughs> let's double the price of, you know, cataract surgery. You can't do that. You can, you can increase the charge, but it doesn't change what you get paid. Whereas my friends at the hamburger stand or wherever else, if, they need to pay their staff more. They can raise the price of French fries or hamburgers by 10 cents to cover that additional cost. So when we are looking at staff, we are competing. We used to compete with the hospitals and with the FedExes and everything for really good employees. Now we're competing with our restaurant friends. I don't want to use any names, but our fast food restaurants because they're paying workers 18, 19, $20 an hour. That's, that's the equivalent of $40,000 a year. And that's where we are now and having to pay our, our staff that same thing. So it's, it's getting harder and harder um, within the healthcare system with the downward pressure on reimbursements and the upward pressure on cost mm. to balance that. Are, uh, <clears throat> are the services that we're talking about, the surgeries, the, the services, uh, for the eyes, things that the eye specialty group predominantly uh, provides, typically covered by people's one form or another of their health care insurance of their health Absolutely. insurance. Okay. Yes, because these are these are medically necessary services. Cataract surgery, um, 
is one of the most preventable causes of blindness in the, in the world. And so um, to the extent that you don't treat it, you do have patients that are, that are going blind. And like I said, you've got, this is an older patients. And so when, when these patients begin to lose their vision, they're also, also more prone to trip and fall and yeah. hurt themselves, which means now yes. you've got more health mm -hmm. issues that you're dealing with. So absolutely, um, cataract surgeries, uh, any sort of um, diabetic eye disease, uh, glaucoma, all of those things are covered by, by insurance. And again, if you think about the age of people getting cataract surgery, typically that's up in the point where they're being, they're on Medicare um, and are getting services through Medicare. Yeah. Wow. So, so in car, you've been in Carville for how long now you said? I think seven years. Okay. Seven years. Yeah. And why, why Carville? Why Carville for eye specialty group? And what has that done for you guys? Well, I would say because I lived out here and was thinking, man, it sure would be nice just to drive <laughs> over to the office. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I was quickly told, no, you still have to go to the main location. Uh, our main location is in East Memphis. But um, but no, I think logically we looked at where population was going. We saw uh, 385 um, you know, being expanded. Um, it's got great access to um, sort of the areas north of 385 that they can easily get down here and you know from olive branch all of those areas can easily get up to this office so it just it seemed like a, a, a great place to locate within the county again we want to serve this metropolitan area and this seemed collierville seemed like a fantastic place to be uh, to capture um, or to be accessible to people from you know just east of here um, north and south that that can't otherwise or don't otherwise want to drive into memphis itself you know, for services speaking of similar thought there strategically business-wise is there any do you see any growth in northeast tennessee meaning with blue oval city coming to the yeah. region up there that'll probably it's we've heard 5,000 employees, you multiply that times some spouses, children, et cetera, et cetera, and parents maybe who want to move there to be around their kids, whatever, over the next several years, that's going to be a booming community. And it's a rural community right now. So do you see that as a, I mean, I, I could see where something like this dentist office, a, a lot of things would be very beneficial there. Yeah, I, in fact, um, it's interesting. I, as I said, I graduated from the University of Alabama, and when I came out of school, I located to a rural community just east of Tuscaloosa um, for the first three years uh, of my professional career. At that same time, they were building the Mercedes plant. You may be familiar with that just outside of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And so I was there when that plant came online and saw what the, that did for the economy in that area in those first few years with all of the supplier companies uh, and then all of the other companies that just go in to supply food and and and, yeah. and, and, and entertainment and everything else for, for the people that work at the Mercedes plant. For that now to be coming to Memphis, I think is going to be a wonderful thing for, for the whole of the community. It, it is a, I mean, what Mercedes did for Tuscaloosa and Birmingham, two cities that are that are an hour and a half apart, 
I see all of that coming into Memphis. I mean, no doubt that the area in, in Northeast Shelby County and, and um, Fayette County and, and the, you know, the areas around that are going to see an immediate boom, but the economy of this whole region is going to dramatically increase as that comes online. So I think it's, again, I think Collierville is perfectly placed. is far enough away to still say, to have that feel of a, a small community. Mm -hmm but close enough to be a great supplier for that, that, that organization. Yeah. It's great. Well, this has been great. Thank you. I've learned so much about yeah. the eye industry and uh, the importance of it. So we're really, really thankful for what you do for health and, and our listeners out there. I'm sure we're all, Wanting to go get our eyes checked now. Make yeah, sure we're all good. actually, uh, I've been thinking please about do. it. Please do. Please do go and get your eyes checked. It's something you should do every year. And um, and again, I, I I have enjoyed the last 25 years of my life working in healthcare. It's a, um, I, I passed out as a kid getting my TB test and knew that at that point that I would never be a physician or a doctor. I, I, I can't I can't deal with the 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 body stuff, <laughs> but I always wanted to be in healthcare because yeah. again, I, I feel like I have a bit of a heart for mission and you know, what I, what I, and you know, my, the staff at I specialty group are able to do to, to deliver care in this community. Um, you know, it's a great thing. It's a great, it's a great uh, mission to be a part of. And, um, and so yes, go get your eyes checked, take care of yourself, um, continue to, to, to be well. Get better. Well, thank you for taking the time to, to be on our podcast and, and share a little uh, with us about uh, eye specialty group and, as Noel said, about overall general eye care. And, again, we are very, very thankful that you all belong to the Collierville Chamber of Commerce. And we thank you uh, for your leadership with the eye specialty group. And uh, we were just thankful that we have a resource like the eye specialty group here in the Memphis metro area for our health. So thank you very much. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to Corporate Cornucopia. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, My Town Roofing. Replacing your roof shouldn't be a hassle. It should be a smooth process done in a timely manner and, most importantly, at a reasonable price. My Town Roofers has thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out at MyTownRoofing.com. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, head on over to www.CoggervilleChamber.com to access our notes, join the conversation, or leave a good review. 